Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, the US economy is on our agenda today as Americans head to the polls for the midterm elections. Observers are spurring bets of a split government, but what would that mean in terms of government spending and could this be good news for markets? Now, the country is also due to report its inflation print for October this week, but how likely will it build a case for the Fed to tone down the pace of interest rate hikes? Elsewhere, the COP27 climate conference gets underway in Egypt, but can developed countries deliver on their prior agreements? Now, joining us, helping us out as we unpack the key developments for the week is Alicia Gracia Herrero, Chief Economist Asia-Pacific at Natixis. Hi, Alicia, how are you? Oh, fine. Thank you for the invite. Great to have you on our show as well. Well, and I'd like to start with the US where you are right now, Alicia. Markets and analysts, they are betting on a split government. What are you expecting and what would that mean in terms of US public spending? Well, I'm on, on that one, basically on consensus. I think, unfortunately, because it's not good news for the world, because it's just going to make much more difficult, basically, to govern what is still today the largest economy in the world. But that's where we are heading. And the question is how peacefully or how gently we can do this yeah um but i'm expecting a very uh, rough basically um, continuation of the second part of of biden's first presidency and and that will mean that um markets will be increasingly volatile after these midterm elections, knowing that there's not going to be a single direction. Uh, not that there was one, to be frank, in the first part of, of uh, Biden's presidency for a number of reasons, because we, had a, we have had a lot of volatility. But I'm expecting that volatility to increase because of the results of the, of the midterms. Right. And what would that mean in terms of public spending on areas such as defense or maybe energy or clean energy, perhaps? Yeah. So I would say that for defense, it's quite clear it's going to increase. I think the idea that uh, this pressure, whether it's China's containment, uh, but even even beyond China. Yeah. If you think about North Korea, if you think about you know, a lot of open cases, basically, for the U.S. So even for Ukraine, interestingly, the the Republicans are keener to increase uh, military action, perhaps not so much to spend the 1.3 billion a day, uh, not not a day, a week actually, that the U.S. is is putting uh, on the table for um, Ukraine, but yes, for military expenditure. So that's that's a clear one. For green energy, I think it's going to be harder. We have legislation, as we all know, from Biden, so that will continue. But I think still there will be much more pressure to not to let brown energy, not to let it go. To be frank, the fact that uh, brown energy is still very expensive does help because they don't need to do much to support that uh, that, that sector, if you see what I mean. It's already yeah. doing well, unfortunately. But So in that regard, I think it will not be a massive change, but it will just delay somewhat the green transformation in the U.S. Right. And I think one uh, topic that's on our mind recently, Alicia, would be the delisting of Chinese stocks listed on U.S. exchanges. That has been weighing on market in recent months. To what extent will the midterms or the outcome of the midterms affect the intensity of U.S. oversight on these uh, Chinese ADRs? 
Well, as we speak, we literally don't know what's going on. You know, we have these U.S. regulators in Hong Kong or they were in Hong Kong and, and there was no significant news on what they actually came up with. And I think the reason is that the internal audits expected from Chinese side aren't possibly what the FCC is expecting. So this, this is the danger that because the balance is kind of, you know, about mm. to tilt, the agreement has not been reached before the midterm elections. I actually mm. think it's going to get worse in a nutshell. In a way, it's a missed opportunity for China to, to me to, to have been so tough because when the Republicans come to this split government, it's going to be tougher. Uh, it's going to be tougher on, on listings, on Chinese listings. So I think Republicans in particular are breaking on financial decoupling. If you see, you know, the latest measures by Trump, very obviously that's something that is clearly, was clearly in his mind. So I would, I would be very cautious. A part of the increase in volatility will certainly come from attempts, maybe not fully fulfilled, hopefully, attempts for financial decoupling. That's, I think, a very big risk of this new split government. Right. But markets are sort of speculating that if there's a split government, that could potentially result in a political gridlock. And that means that prevents major policy changes. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you agree that it is favorable to for equities to a certain extent? Put it this way. I think it's hard to talk only about this this midterm elections in a void because we need to make assumptions on first uh, inflation. I mean, when it will peak. I think it's already peaked, to be frank. I, I, I have the sense that because the deceleration is coming and we can see mm. it, uh, if you look at wages, you know, it's it's coming down. It's just coming down. But then we need to know once we confirm it's coming down, we need to know for how long will the Fed remain elevated. We're already at around 5% consensus, so it's right. higher and higher. So for how long 5%? So our sense at Texas is that we it might, it might actually take the whole of 2023 before we see a cut. And that's a long time, if you think about it, you have for such elevated rates. So, so for equities, your point, yes, maybe, you know, like, yeah, midterm elections might have the impact you refer to, but we need to put that in the context of a very, very elevated interest rates in the US, which are going to last for some time. And that's not good news for equity. So I, I guess we need to put both uh, considerations uh, together. And, mm. and, and to me, it's not so much bad equity landscape is more huge volatility in the space. Speaking of, you mentioned just now inflation and also the rate hike cycle by the Fed. Uh, what are your projections so far for the US inflation print for October coming up this week? And also, are we in a position to go for a 50 BPS uh, rate hike come December? Well, it all depends on inflation and I don't have a projection. Let me be frank, because I don't think it's very hard to project. But what I can project, or at least I can try to project is not October, it's actually possibly second quarter next year. Meaning once we have the peaking of inflation, how fast it might come down. My take is that it will be fast because wages are already decelerating rapidly. We're at 3.9 growth rate. That's rather low. And therefore I would expect inflation to hover around 2.5%. 
So if we are 2.5, say, percent by mid-2023, the Fed might actually start cutting before, before that end of the year. And that's why more than the actual level now, you know, we, we could get a percentage point higher or lower. But the point is the speed of that, um, once it peaks, the speed at which it will come down. And I think it can be quite fast, especially first and second quarter next year. Right. If you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Alicia Gracia Herrero, Chief Economist Asia-Pacific at Natisis. And well, uh, Alicia, away from the U.S., the COP27 climate conference underway in Egypt, do you think developed countries can deliver their commitment to mobilize this 100 billion US dollars per year, given the macroeconomic environment we're in? Well, I think that should be possible because uh, if you think about the amount of money that that is already being put on the table for developed economies for their own tra- energy transition, that's actually not such a such a huge amount. But I think the key issue is whether developed economies are going to fully accept that that funding is swallowed, if I may say, by two major countries, China and India, because that's that's the problem. The problem is that that amount, barring aside China and India, the first and third largest emitters, that's a big amount for the rest. That That's the reality. But it isn't a big amount if China and India remain in, in the distribution pie. Um, I would argue that India might be more you know, justifiable, not only because of income per capita, but also because it's not a large producer of, of um, renewables. But for China, it's very hard to justify because it's the largest producer of renewables. So, you know, in a way you are giving where it's taking because China is a major exporter of so, so it's hard, I think, to agree. You see, uh, on this one because it becomes very geopolitical. It's not only about the money; it's about the distribution of that money. <laughs> That makes a big difference. Yeah, I see. And speaking about distribution of money, I like to talk about support for co-reliant middle-income countries, like for instance, South Africa, Indonesia, Vietnam. Uh, can we expect more clarity from the COP27? And if so, in what form of support for them? Well, that's a big one. Um, to be frank, I mean, we've seen start um, already, yeah, prohibition of financing of coal for a while, yeah, from the developed world. And then supposedly China also for overseas plans um so of course to to move away from coal you would need to do what you exactly said and and do it as soon as possible if you are if you ask me that that's where i would put the money the money you were referring to um but the problem is that even if the money is put there nobody guarantees that there will be a full reduction in the use of coal for electricity because it's such a national it could be even a national security issue if you see what i mean like like i mean what what are the alternatives what if you don't have the means to move to green what if the production of solar panels globally does not allow yeah does not allow in the sense that it's not ready yeah for for such a big shift or so quick shift so on that note i think it's not only the financing it's it's even more complex than that is the realization of that move in time and with enough means in terms of access to renewables and there, China plays a huge role. And that's why it, it, it becomes so complicated, uh, as you can imagine. Um, so I don't, I don't see a major breakthrough in the current uh, COP27 on this front. 
I hope I am wrong, but that's the way I see it. And there's one thing that I'm actually quite curious about, and that is uh, the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, which provides tax credits for EVs made in North America. Now, EU has criticized this, saying that it breaches international trade rules and is being seen as protectionist in a way. But do you think the U.S. will be pressured to make changes with the COP27 underway? Well, I think the U.S., first of all, cannot achieve its goals with such uh, restrictions because it simply doesn't have the capacity uh, to produce enough solar panels, electric vehicles, etc. So I think they'll probably have to do that. But I have to say, I think it will be first for like-minded countries, uh, such as Europe, than for China. So I can imagine that the US will uh, soften its stance, but not for the whole world. It will be very picky and maybe, you know, against WTO or you name it, but but I think that's the way it's going to move on. Yeah. Well, and finally, uh, let's wrap up by talking about what's going on in Asia and how we should be positioning our portfolios. China's exports uh, strength unexpectedly in October, missing growth expectations badly. How concerning is this? And on the whole, how should us as retail investors in Singapore be positioning our portfolios amid what's happening around the world? Well, what should investors do? I wish I knew. But for me, I would say that um, because interest rates are going to remain elevated, you know, the basically even the 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 safest yeah the safest uh, investment ever whether it's a money market fund whether it's a US treasury yield is already quite appealing isn't it i mean and that's good news for the US but it's terrible news for the emerging world because i don't need to take that risk to be frank not only that i know that currencies have been waning compared to the dollar is that going to change soon probably not we need first to see U.S. rates peak to, to start thinking about the dollar weakening. So at least for at least five months, mid of, uh, I mean, end of first quarter, I think it's going to be just, you know, U.S. assets and possibly U.S. safe assets. And, and that's going to put a ceiling on U.S. treasury yields, which is good because that's the benchmark or the the floor for EM uh, credit, which is good news that, you know, it stays uh, stable, but it's also going to draw a lot of uh, resources, funds from the developing world. And that's a big problem because as I'm sure you know, um, there's a lot of potential sovereign defaults out there that hopefully we can avoid. So, so that would be it immediately. I think down the road after the first quarter, when it's very clear to everybody that inflation has peaked, that interest rates have peaked, I think that's where you would see a recovery in stock, in stock, stock prices, starting with the U.S. Possibly then, you know, with a delay, the EU, uh, European, the eurozone. Um, for China, I think unless they open, I think it's going to be very hard to see. Uh, a massive turn in the stock market. And that, as you know, is still a big question mark. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was Alicia Gracia Herrero, Chief Economist, Asia Pacific at Nathesis. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.